0: So many jokes about whether Ron DeSantis is running Texas. Well, no, 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 no. It's Tucker Carlson. Welcome to The Texas Take, the number one political podcast in the great state. I'm Scott Braddock. You can find me at quorumreport.com, and he's Jeremy Wallace. He, of course, is always at houstonchronicle.com, expressnews.com, down in San Antonio, basically a statewide concern. I do want to thank everyone who has donated so far to the leukemia and lymphoma society here in central Texas. I'll have some uh, news to share about that next week with where we are on the fundraising, but people have really stepped up in a way that's inspiring to me. Jeremy, Uh, you can find the link to donate. It's just my name, scottbraddock.com. The link is right there at the top of the page, scottbraddock.com. Thank y'all so much. All right, Jeremy, I see the story. It's coming out now at houstonchronicle.com about the way that Tucker Carlson in a lot of instances has called the shots right here in Texas. And we have an example of this from this week that has a lot of people just sort of scratching their heads. And, and I have heard from uh, veterans of Texas politics, people who have been at this for 35, 40 years, and they said this is the craziest thing that they've ever seen, That this this latest development with Governor Abbott and Tucker Carlson. This case in Austin of Daniel Perry, and I have to admit that when it comes to sort of the, the you know these high-profile court dramas – it's not in my DNA to pay that much attention to them. You know, there'll be a lot of times when it will overlap with what we do. And that's certainly happening right now, Jeremy. But this case of Daniel Perry in Austin uh, has now become a rallying cry on the right. What is this case even about?
1: Yeah, this is uh, a, a sergeant uh, in the Army. He's from Killeen. Uh The guy was you know, driving Uber. You know, and decided to come into Austin during some of the Black Lives Matter protests that were going on in Austin at the time. Mm-hmm. Gets confronted, uh, you know, by protesters. You know, you know, this is where the, the court case really like you got to be in the room to kind of hear all the testimony going back and forth. But apparently, uh, he thought the you know, one of the guys was pointing an, you know a, a weapon at him, and so he fired and ended up killing this guy. The other guy did not shoot anything. You know, he did not fire his weapon at all. Uh, and so that's the crux of where the case is. So you have a, a, a white sergeant uh, in the army from Colleen in mm-hmm. Austin confronting a Black Lives Matter protester, and you can imagine <laughs> where the Republican you know, Fox News crowd was going right away on this issue.
0: All right, well, let me help here. You don't have to imagine it. Uh, and I don't know that Governor Abbott was paying attention to the day to day details of this murder trial as it was unfolding here uh, at the Travis County Courthouse. Uh, but he, you know, maybe didn't even have it on his radar at all until this guy, Tucker Carlson, on Fox News Channel just had to weigh in.
2: So during the last outbreak of armed extremism, which, is, of course, was the BLM riots of 2020, and a former Army sergeant called Daniel Pickett. Daniel Perry was driving for Uber in Austin, Texas. He was an Uber driver. He's in his car and a mob of rioters surround him in the middle of the street and begin hitting his car. One member of the mob was a man called Garrett Foster. Foster is a militant with a history of waving his rifle at people. He approached Perry's driver's side window with an AK-47. Then he raised the rifle and when he did that, Perry shot and killed him in self-defense. Carlson argued that if that isn't a justified shooting, then there's no such thing. But because Austin, Texas, the justice system was overseen by a Soros-funded DA, Perry was charged with murder for defending himself. And tonight, we are sad to tell you, this man, a military veteran driving an Uber car, was convicted of murder. And what does that mean? It means that in the state of Texas, if you have the wrong politics you're not allowed to defend yourself. Now, that's BS, of course.
0: We have one of the strongest stand-your-ground laws in the country in Texas, and that's something that the jury in the case here in Travis County was allowed to consider. And you heard uh, Carlson say that this was self-defense. The defense in the case was just that, that it was self-defense. So I'll get to why that's um, you know highly relevant in just a second. But I don't know that anything you heard so far would have Governor Abbott even worried about this or think that he might need to do something. But then Carlson said that Abbott is basically just absconding here, that because Abbott hasn't done anything about this, that you don't have a right
2: to self-defense in the state of Texas. So this is a legal atrocity. It's so obviously unjust that tonight we extended an invitation to the sitting governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, to come on this show on Monday. And we wanted to ask if he was considering a pardon for Daniel Perry. But for some reason, Governor Greg Abbott's office told us he just can't make it and that we should talk to the Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, instead. So that is Greg Abbott's position. There is no right of self-defense in Texas. We're gonna keep trying to reach the governor of Texas. Now, if you follow that
0: closely, what Carlson said is that because the governor of Texas, who might have other things to do, because he didn't drop everything to appear on a cable talk show, uh, that his position then is that you don't have a right to defend yourself in Texas. I'm going to quote uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. That is quote bullshit, fake news. Close quote. That the governor over the weekend, uh, just this this past week, issued a tweet. Jeremy, and what did he say? That was obviously in response to what Tucker Carlson just said there.
1: Well, he went right into it and made it clear that you know one, he wants to pardon, uh, uh, he wants to pardon Perry. Perry. Mm -hmm. On this, and then he had this whole diatribe about how strong Texas's self-defense laws are. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he posted a little a document on there we could read about why he thinks Texas has one of the strongest self-defense, you know, mechanisms uh, in the nation. But uh, it, the key to all of this is like his, you know, calling to pardon uh, Perry, even mm-hmm. though we haven't even gotten to the sentencing phase. Yet right. of that trial, there's been no uh, appeals in that case, so we don't even know if this is going to, you know, remain the case, you know, the conviction. And on top of that, uh, we don't have anything from the the parole board to recommend, you know, anything. Right. And so Abbott is ahead of all of that. You know, again, Abbott, former judge and lawyer, he knows right. this process, but mm-hmm. he got way ahead of everything within 24 hours of Tucker Carlson throwing out that one sentence.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you might be saying to yourself, dear listener, that maybe the governor just doesn't care about what the Board of Pardons and Paroles has to say about these things. Maybe he just acts unilaterally all the time. Well, dear listener, you'd be incorrect. In the past, the governor has been very stingy, and I think I'm being fair in that assessment, uh, Jeremy. He's been very stingy in offering clemency to anybody for anything. Do you remember the case of Melissa Lucio, which played out you know, in a very high-profile way Over the last 18 to 24 months or so, remember there were hearings uh, in the Texas House. You had Republicans and Democrats saying that she shouldn't be put to death for the uh, death of her baby uh, years ago, which was a tragic case, of course. And there was a lot of argument about the evidence in that case. And you had uh, conservatives like Representative Jeff Leach from North Texas, uh, as well as Democrats uh, like Joe Moody from El Paso, who were saying, hey, on this, we can come together and say that at least there are questions here. And so maybe the governor could step in on this. Maybe the prosecutor down in Cameron County could uh, slow down on the case or maybe try to offer some kind of a way for this woman to not be executed while questions are answered about it. Um, A reporter at that time down in Cameron County in Brownsville asked Abbott what he would do about the case of Melissa Lucio. Listen closely to this. Does this sound like somebody who just rushes to their own judgment in these cases?
3: It's my understanding uh, that the Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles has not provided uh, a decision to me yet. Uh, With that being the case, as as the law requires, the governor must await for a decision from the Board of Pardons and Paroles.
1: If that comes to you, would you
3: approve it? I'll make a decision once it comes to me.
0: Oh, so there is a process for this. And across the justice system, the process needs to be the same, or Jeremy, a lot of critics right now of Abbott are saying that you're in banana republic territory.
1: Yeah. And, and look, you know, this is, you know, to back up what you said at the very start of the show, this isn't a one off for Governor Abbott in terms mm-hmm. of. You know him taking a lead from Tucker Carlson. Uh, you, know, you know people will have to check out my newsletter and the story that I have posting any minute now that mm-hmm. will go into the detail of how you know back in you know 2021 Tucker Carlson went after Abbott for not sending enough soldiers to the border. Uh, he wanted Texas to send more National Guard soldiers to the border. We already had about two thousand people down there. We had a thousand DPS officers down there, but Carlson would say there's got to be more, right? And so uh Abbott a month later he has 10,000 troops on the border uh in response right that was right, a month afterwards we're not talking like years afterwards like a month afterwards we had 10,000 people but that's not the only time it's like so then Carlson you know just last May started going off about Ukraine right he's opposed mm-hmm. to us sending aid and support right. to Ukraine now remember Greg Abbott you know when Ukraine when the the war started in Ukraine. He lit up the mansion and the colors of the of Ukraine, and right. he had a, a moment of prayer for them. And he called for us to send arms and you know financial support to Ukraine. Right? Yeah, and,
0: and, yeah. And one other thing, remember he said that we should ban the sale of Russian products on store shelves in Texas.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so you know, but. Tucker Carlson sends out a letter, or uh, a request to all of the potential presidential candidates, a story for another day, uh, <laughs> and Abbott responds that you know, Joe Biden shouldn't send any more aid to Ukraine for either money or weapons until he does more on the Texas border. It's like wait, this is not the same guy. Carlson goes on air and you'll be able to see the clip in in you know, on my web on the website. Uh Tucker Carlson goes on, I guess that means, you know, Greg Abbott's with us on this now. Yeah. I'm not sure he is. It's like it's very confusing where he is. But these are the cases you're seeing like you know, I, I'll have more in both the story and the newsletter, but like you'll see many cases where You know, Tucker Carlson's saying stuff, and our Republicans, not just Abbott, you know, I don't, Mm -hmm. look, we're hitting on him, but like there's a lot of other Republicans who are taking that lead because Tucker Carlson gets almost 4 million viewers a night, which is millions more than any other TV talk show host you can even think of. You know, I used to think Sean Hannity was the king. Oh, no, no. Well, he was
0: at one point, but not anymore.
1: Not anymore. You know, it's like, and don't even talk about anybody on CNN or uh, MSNBC. Carlson has twice as many viewers any given night. And so that's making Republicans who are worried about primaries, you know, and as you have pointed out a million times on the show, Texas is a primary state. Uh, no doubt and, about it. and these folks want to make sure they're not doing anything to hurt their chances in a primary in the state of Texas. And what you're seeing is a reaction. Every time Tucker Carlson says something, people are taking notes, with some exceptions. (laughs) We Mm have talked about this on before, about how Tucker Carlson's gone after Dan Crenshaw Mm -hmm. and tried to put pressure on him on Ukraine. Dan Crenshaw's response, completely ignored him. (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't said a word to him. Won't even give him the time of day. And that's probably driving Tucker Carlson absolutely crazy, because he likes – people coming to him and kind of kissing the ring like abbott tried to do but <laughs> you'll look at you know when you look at all the clips you'll see it's not like tucker carlson's coming off of those interviews then saying you know greg abbott's a great guy and he has my full endorsement no in fact he brought alan west and don huffines on his show to mm-hmm. help blast you know governor greg abbott when he was trying to run for reelection. right it doesn't make sense
0: Well, it's all about punishment. I mean, I I think this deal with Carlson is just emblematic of what happens in Republican primaries, uh, you know, specifically here in Texas uh, and across the country as well, is you're just looking for these folks to not be mad at you. Right, I mean, he he never gets praise. Abbott doesn't ever ever get praise from Carlson. I remember uh, during the example that you're talking about with border security, um, the the example where uh, Carlson uh, wanted to have Abbott on the air to talk about what he was doing uh, when it came to what Carlson calls the invasion along the Rio Grande. Um, He wanted Abbott to come on the show. And he was threatening, you know, to have Don Huffines and Alan West and Chad Prather, the challengers to Abbott on the air to blast him, like you said. Um, And when he actually got Abbott on the air, he just listened to Abbott talk about what the state is doing on the border for about a minute and a half or so and then dismissed him and said, oh, okay, well, you know, that's very interesting, uh, Governor. Thanks for coming on. And that was it. He didn't say anything about, oh, wow, that's a great job you're doing.
1: Yeah, and, and, and there was a point where Abbott went on his show after we had 10,000 people on that – on the border, right? And and Tucker Carlson says, well, great, but why isn't it 19,000? And Abbott's left explaining, well, well some of them are deployed overseas. And Tucker, early on, well, why don't you bring them back? And it's like, well, I'm not the president. you know. It's like, but you can't get into that conversation. Carlson doesn't want to go there. It's like he's got a point of view. It's not like he's going to say, you know what, Governor Abbott? You were right. I was wrong and all this stuff. Thanks for coming on. I'll leave you alone now that is not going to happen <laughs> and, and look at like you know for the for the people who don't watch fox news regularly uh-huh. know, Tucker Carlson mu- must like look he he just started his show in 2016 there mm-hmm. he was a regular on other stuff since uh, 2009 on fox mm-hmm. news but he's really had the show only since 2016 yeah. it's like but remember this is a guy who hosted a show on msnbc and CNN before that mm-hmm. This guy has been all over the place. And some of his positions that he took back in the 90s and, you know, 2000s when I first met him right. are very different than what I hear on his show now. So, it's it, it's watching this guy become this powerful in Texas, I mm-hmm. never could have predicted that a guy from San Francisco, you know, who built his entire career in DC and probably has never spent, you know, hardly much time at all in Texas, can mm-hmm. pull strings like he does with Texans. I've just never, I never would have believed that could happen.
0: Look, as as someone who worked in talk radio for about 20 years, um, I can tell you that, and this is working with talk show hosts who are very conservative in their politics. There are some of them, without naming names, there are some of them who believe everything they're saying, and there are others who do not. And it is just all a show. And with Carlson, he is the latter. And we know that because of the Dominion lawsuit against Fox News Channel, against uh, the corporation that owns them. Remember, we have the text messages and emails between uh, Carlson and Sean Hannity talking about Donald Trump in which they say things. Like, and Carlson says things like, I hate this guy. I hate Trump. And I wish he would go away. They say things like, there, there's no upside to Trump. We wish he would just kind of disappear. They say that privately amongst themselves, but on the air, they promote Trump To their audience, they promote Trump. They say he's great. And they float these conspiracy theories about, you know, the idea that maybe the election was stolen from Trump. And uh, Carlson puts together uh, this insane montage about January 6th, uh, leading us down this path to believe this is why you have some Republicans saying, oh, the folks who were at the Capitol on January 6th were just there for a tour. It was, like a, it was like an unguided tour. It, it seemed like, you know, just, just Visitor's Day at the Capitol when what they were doing was ransacking the place. And we have the video of, for example, Troy Nells at the door, the back of the U.S. house, uh, trying to keep the people out of there with guns drawn because these people were that dangerous. So they're lying to people. Here's the, here's the difference. I, I saw this uh, play out a, a few weeks ago. On uh, I think it was the Bill Maher show on HBO, uh, where you had uh, John Heilman, uh, who does uh, the recount, and I think he's also on that show on, um, on Showtime, The Circus, uh, him and Mark McKinnon, who's a Texas guy. Uh, that's, that's their big show on Sundays. Um, and, they were, and he was arguing with Russell Brand about uh, MSNBC versus Fox and how, you know, they're basically the same thing as what Brand was saying. One is right wing, one is left wing, uh, and they're both part of the problem. But here's the deal. On MSNBC, yes, they have plenty of liberal hosts. They don't hide that fact. They, you know, that, that's their opinion. That's their point of view. What you don't have in MSNBC is people, at least this hasn't been demonstrated through evidence, you don't have anyone there who's going on the air and saying things they know are false, that they know and say privately are false. On Fox, you have the opposite. You have all of these people. It was Laura Ingraham, Sean Hannity, and Tucker Carlson all saying that Trump's terrible. We just wish that he would go away. In the meantime, they are saying to their audience what the audience wants to hear. That's why the audience is giant, right? The audience is giant because they tell them what they want to hear. If they were doing news, the audience wouldn't be giant because guess what? Doing the news means telling people things that sometimes things they don't want to hear.
1: Yeah, and there's an irrationality about it, all right. So, so again, like what I said earlier is Tucker Carlson's, you know, like at about three and a half million to four million, you know, viewers on any given night. That's a lot of people, right? But then you go, wait, that's right. Texas has 30 million people in it. So in your congressional district, there's not nearly as much people watching Tucker Carlson on Friday night at 7:30 p.m. than you think. It's like it's not nearly as influential, but you have all these members of Congress convinced that he does, and so mm-hmm. they just cower, you know they try to avoid confrontation with them, they try to say the right words to kind of make sure they don't get up on the wrong side of him. You saw mm-hmm. that with Ron DeSantis, anybody who's following Ron DeSantis on the Ukraine stuff, you know Ron DeSantis sounds like he supports aiding Ukraine and is against Russia, but mm-hmm. in his statement to you know, Tucker Carlson, he makes it sound like it's a regional conflict that shouldn't be a priority. It's like, what? It's like in the same week, he said both of those things. And you're like, what is happening? Why is he playing for a, a different kind of perspective for uh, Tucker Carlson and everybody else? And again, you see that with Abbott on that same issue. It's like his message to Tucker Carlson wasn't, you know, I'm still adamantly opposed to what Russia did and they should pay a price. He Mm -hmm. didn't say any of that as like, he didn't say, you know, by the way, I'm going to light up, I lit up the mansion and I'm still, you know, fully believe in the people of Ukraine. He didn't say that. And he made it sound like he was ready to, you know, get off of that whole train and let Ukraine fight for itself. You know, it's like, and which is, it's dangerous, it's dangerous global politics. And, you know, again, why he's doing it, I don't fully get, you know, I've asked his people, you know, directly is, you know, the decision that Abbott you know is making on wanting to pardon this man. Is it related to what Tucker Carlson said? Mm -hmm. I've heard nothing back from them at this point. Uh, I've asked for it though. I want to give them that shot to say, no, we're not listening to Tucker Carlson. What show? Tucker Carlson. Who's Tucker Carlson? You know, it's like I, I'm, I'm not expecting that, but I'm, I, I did w- I was hoping for some sort of response on that.
0: I don't think you're going to get anything back on that. Uh, I wonder if we're going to hear anything back from the governor or Tucker Carlson about the fact that according to newly unsealed court documents, this guy, Daniel Perry, who's now apparently on track to get a pardon from uh, Governor Abbott even before any sentencing has been done here. This guy has a history Of uh, wanting to kill protesters, these are his own words, that he wanted to kill protesters, specifically Muslims and black people. He called the people at the Black Lives Matter protests, he said they were, quote, acting like monkeys, close quote. That is the guy we're now pointing to as um, deserving of a pardon after being convicted of murder by a Texas jury. And that's not all, Jeremy. Jeremy. This guy, Daniel Perry, according to these documents, and this was uh, gleaned from one of his uh, cell phones, he also was fantasizing about shooting protesters, as I mentioned, and chatting a lot with underage youth about sex with them. Uh, Quote, no nudes until you're old enough. Close quote. Perry wrote in one message uh, to a young woman who said that she was uh, 16, it would be 17 in three months this, this young girl said, uh, so I'm 16, I'll be 17 in uh, three months. Are you sure you want me? Um, and here's something interesting when they take the, you know, when, when investigators take text messages from a phone, um, even if you had deleted it from your phone, they can still get the message. And so the message, the message next to the next to the message, it will be, uh, marked with an X. So of all these messages with the letter X. So all of these messages in which he's being flirty, this is a 30-year-old man, by the way, a 30-year-old man being flirty with a 16-, 17-year-old, he had the uh, wherewithal to delete those messages from his phone, right? So I don't know what Tucker Carlson is going to say about that. Probably nothing, but we'll stay tuned to see what happens on that. Great reporting, Jeremy. The um, uh, border controversy spilling over at the Texas Capitol this week where you have this um, proposal from Representative Matt Schaefer to create a border protection unit that would be staffed by civilians who could apply for these jobs. And there were a lot of advocates who were rallying at the Capitol, saying that this is going to be um, a gross abuse of people along the Rio Grande, and not just people who are undocumented, but people who are uh, Hispanic and just happen to live there. Listen to some of the protests there.
1: Are you angry? Yes or no? Yes! Yeah.
2: Yes or no? Yes! We need them to hear us in the Capitol and in this building because it's not getting through.
0: The bill is House Bill 20, again, by uh, Representative uh, Representative Matt Schaefer. Uh, during a hearing in the State Affairs Committee of the Texas House, he repeatedly refused to answer whether part of what he's trying to do is overturn a Supreme Court ruling that found that states cannot set their own immigration policies. You remember this was a case out of Arizona, uh, Jeremy, that, you know, it's a landmark decision. By the United States Supreme Court that found that basically it upheld what's in the U.S. Constitution, which is only the federal government can set immigration policy. And if anybody wanted to change that, they would need to change the U.S. Constitution. Uh, there is the thought out there that this policy that could be adopted by Texas would be one of those things where you where basically lawmakers will pass something hoping to be sued over it so that you can take it to the Supreme Court and overturn a previous ruling. See abortion. Right. We've, we've been through this before. OK, now, listen, this is uh, Representative Rafael Anchia. He's asking the question of Schaefer repeatedly, trying to get an answer from him about where they want to go legally with this. In his
3: testimony before the Senate Border Security Committee on March 16th, 2023, Attorney General Paxton stated comparing now to uh, comparing now to the <coughs> Arizona versus U.S. decision. Quote, we've got a different Supreme Court. We've got different Supreme Court justices and, quote, we've got a different court and the best chance we've ever had to overturn uh, this, uh, to overturn that finding is the purpose of HB 20 for Texas to challenge Arizona versus Texas before a different set of U.S. Supreme Court judges. Mr. Ron you can ask the same question a hundred different ways and I'm going to give you the same answer I gave you before which was non-responsive, but I'm asking you your intent as a a bill author. Is there a reason you're being cagey and coy and not wanting to answer? I've answered your question. Yeah, you have not answered my question, but I
0: appreciate that. As is so often the case, Jeremy, the testimony was overwhelmingly against this divisive proposal. For example, this 10-year-old shared his thoughts with the committee.
2: Do you want to be known as a hateful, unwelcoming state? I know I don't. I want to be known as the friendship state. Just because people come from another place doesn't mean they can't have a positive impact on the world. They are not dangerous people. My abuelita came from Guerrero, Mexico in the 80s. My dad and my uncle were born here out of firefighters. And my uncle is also a Navy veteran. My dad and my uncle not only save lives, but they risk their lives for others. They help serve our community. Like many other immigrants, my abuelita might have come from somewhere else, but eventually she became a U.S. citizen. This bill would be saying that this is no longer possible.
0: Hours of testimony into the late night uh, in the state affairs uh, committee, which is common procedure there, uh, Jeremy. And you had all of these arguments made against this to the larger politics of it. It's uh, and by the way, this is a House priority. The speaker named this one of his priorities to create this border protection unit. Um, The the larger politics, I don't know if Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who I haven't heard him say anything about this proposal, Governor Abbott, I haven't heard him say anything about it either. Um, I don't know if this is really going to go anywhere when it seems like what the governor wants to continue to do is what he has been doing on the border, which is Operation Lone Star, a multi-billion dollar operation, which as far as I can tell, isn't slowing down undocumented immigration. Uh, the, you know, the, the the Republican Party talks about this nonstop, stopping all of the quote-unquote illegals from coming in. And over the last 24 months, at least $6 billion, that's your tax dollars, have been spent on border security operations. That involves the National Guard and DPS down along the border. Um, and we continue to see what Republicans say are unacceptable numbers of border crossings, right? So so that's one problem. With I wonder if the speaker isn't simply trying to change the conversation on this. And, 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 you know, there has been the argument made by some in the Texas House, some Republicans who say, look, we can't just keep doing what we're doing with Operation Lone Star. It's extremely expensive. And what do we really get for it? At the same time, that doesn't make this bill any better. I had a friend who took the text of the bill and ran it through. This is one of my tech buddies who is genius on this stuff. He ran the bill through ChatGPT. And he asked the program, what kind of people would apply for these jobs to be part of the Border Protection Unit? And it's exactly what you would think. Proud boys, people who were dishonorably discharged from the military, um, people who are you know, racist, angry about the fact that brown people are in this country, and that sort of thing. It's just very straightforward. And so anybody, you know, as someone at the Capitol this week said, hey, If you're a proud boy in Minnesota, there's no residency requirement for this program. Come on down. This is, in my estimation, a horrific piece of legislation. And I don't know if it's just chum in the water for the right wing primary voters or if it's really going to get traction at the Texas Capitol. What what are your, what are your thoughts here?
1: Well, as crazy as all this sounds, and I don't want to be so thematic that it makes people's eyes roll, but you won't believe where this came from. So if you go back in the files and, you know, listen to Tucker Carlson's interview (laughs) with Greg Abbott, which again, I have on our website right now Mm -hmm. at one point in their interview, when they're arguing about the, you know, the, the border, how many people are on the border, you know, Tucker Carlson says to him, why don't you just say any person with military or law enforcement experience can join up? We are starting our own force. It's volunteer. Does that sound familiar to this bill? That is exactly what he's asking for. Here we are, and we have literally Tucker Carlson's words are in House Bill 20. It's like you can see, again, it's not just Abbott who's taking cues from Tucker Mm -hmm. Carlson. Right. The Texas legislature had an all-night debate on exactly what Tucker Carlson wants Texas to do, which is mm-hmm. send a call out to anybody, any volunteers, anyone, any background law enforcement, get on down. We want you down on the border, and we're going to repel all these people who he continues to call an invasion. Remember, that term invasion also came – from tucker carlson Mm -hmm. and his nightly you know talk on this issue and that is what a lot of people point to happen in el paso when that Mm -hmm. shooter from allen texas went to el paso to shoot mexican americans to go hunt brown people
0: in el paso that's right Mm because they
1: were part of some invasion he usually he actually used that term in his manifesto is that you see the link here there is a lot of influence from this guy right now and what we just saw again you know, I'm repeating myself now, but Tucker Carlson essentially wrote this bill.
0: It's remarkable. I, I, I don't know what the fate of this is going to be. It is going to be debated in the Texas House. I think it's going. You know, it, it's on track to be. Uh, this is just the committee hearing level, and I do think Jeremy that it's going to be on par with, or even more painful for the institution. Than the debate on sanctuary cities in 2017, which uh, you know, and I've I've been there for all of these debates on the House floor, whether it was abortion, um, uh, gay rights, uh, you know, the, the attacks on transgender people, all that sort of stuff. I don't remember any debate being as emotionally draining for the members who felt beat up at the end of it. Uh, Like this one did in, in 2017, I think it lasted till I was there on the floor the whole time. I think it, I think it lasted till four or five in the morning. Um, There were still hundreds of amendments that were going to be debated at that point, but there wasn't a, there was a motion made by one of the members to uh, essentially just cut off the debate uh, and, and mercifully end it. Um, But I, this is what led to nearly fistfights on the floor of the Texas house. In 2017, you remember at the end of the session when then representative Matt Rinaldi uh, and another former member, uh, one who was who was in office at the time, uh, Poncho Nevadas just about came to blow came to blows about all of this. This is when Rinaldi had proudly said that he was calling Immigration and Customs Enforcement ICE to come round up people at the Capitol because they were holding signs that said things like, you know, no one is illegal, that sort of stuff. And to this day. What I'm reminded of is that for so many young uh, Latinos who are uh, active in Texas politics now, I'm talking about people who are this generational thing, people who are 20, in in their early 20s, maybe 21 to 25, um, some of their first jobs in politics were in 2019 in the following session. So a lot of people who uh, remember anything about the 2017 session who are white, white people remember the bathroom bill. That was the big divisive thing that we all remember about you know the attacks on LGBTQ people who could use what which restroom and people should remember that of course, but what young Latinos remember their organizing principle was the sanctuary cities debate where they were hearing Republican politicians say things that made them think that well they're going to they're going to you know go round up my grandma in Houston and send her back to Mexico that 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 that, that bill just just to close the thought that that bill is the reason that a generation of young Latinos are active in Texas politics now.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's that same concept, right? And that was the problem. Like when you, when the people, you know, uh, even from North Texas, we don't, I I was going to say Iowa, but like, you know, when they start talking about the border, it's one thing, but it's like, you got to understand when you go to McAllen, when you go to Harlingen, 95 to 98% of the people you meet are going to be Hispanic. It's like, how do you discern who is the legal Hispanic versus the non-legal Hispanic or Mm -hmm. whatever these people think they're looking for? Uh, Like the, the case of mistaken identity is like for sure going to happen. Like there's no way to do this. You go to Laredo, try to find me somebody, like somebody coming across the border who's Hispanic happens every single day. It's like, a lot of them are legal. Most of them right. are legal. <laughs> right. It's like they're people who do business back and forth across the border. Mm-hmm. Who are you thinking you're stopping? It's like the, the the pressure on this system, and you can see why so many of our Hispanic br- brothers and sisters like how these issues are very concerning. It's like it's not that they want to support people you know crossing the border you know, uh, without papers. So they're, they're not saying that, but they they get caught up in this. You know, it's like, you're just, you're a kid who's, you know, three generations Texan and you're going to get pulled over by some, you know, guy in Laredo who thinks you look suspicious to him. It's like, how is that going to feel? It's like, until you're in that car being pulled over by that person, you, it's hard to know what that's going to feel like. Uh-huh. You know, I have friends who had that happen to them. And like it's amazing to hear kind of the trauma that still rests in them, even from incidents that may have happened 20 years ago. They remember it like it was yesterday. And how many more people do we subject to that in a state, reminding everybody, the majority of us now in the state of Texas are black and Hispanic. We are – this is our state. And if we're going to single out people who are – you know, who have brown skin for some sort of treatment that the rest of us don't. Wow. It's like, I'm never going to get pulled over and asked, Hey, are you supposed to be here? (laughs) Nobody's going to stop me when I'm in Laredo. (laughs) You know, it's going to be the people who look like Laredo, which is insane.
0: Right. I I had uh, one uh, person from South Texas who is a Democrat. I'm going to keep this vague for a reason. I had one person who is a Democrat and um, probably owns more guns than any of our Republican listeners who said that the first time one of these guys asked me for my ID, my gun is going to be pointed at their head. That that sounds very South Texas to me, right? i bet mean, watch this. I mean, this is, this is, this is going to be, get really, really ugly as this is debated going forward. Speaking of ugly debates. All right. The voucher vote has finally happened. The voucher vote in the Texas house and put simply School vouchers went down in flames. Yes. Be
1: days.
0: <laughs> Jeremy, I was maybe surprised by the numbers on this because I thought that the governor might have moved the needle on this in a significant way, the way that he's been campaigning around the state, going to all these different districts, making his appeal for school choice. But I was on the floor for that. Debate during the budget last week, and uh, a lot of people. By the way, when we don't do a show, it's like we stole somebody's lunch. because people <laughs> get so mad that we didn't that we didn't do a show, and I'm here. This is why we're doing a double platinum edition once again this week. So I can't have everybody in the audience uh, upset with us. But as the debate was playing out, I know people's hearts were pounding. Uh, the budget debate was pretty benign overall. A lot of the controversial amendments were pulled down. One of the uh, state representatives who was going to uh, offer a lot of very controversial amendments had his own little controversy, and we'll get into that on another show potentially. I'm not going to talk about it right now, but we have coverage at quorumreport.com. How's that for a plug? Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, right. It's got, they're going. What is Scott talking about? Well, you got to go to quorumreport.com. Just check it out. They, they act like I never did this broadcast thing before. So a- after the debate played out on this voucher amendment. Um, I rushed over to the um, House clerk's office and got a copy of the vote. And after that, Jeremy, I think I told you off the air that I have kept this printout with me all week. And anytime I get a few minutes that, that are just a couple of minutes of downtime, I, I pull it out of my wallet. I folded it up, put it in my wallet. I, I've, been, I've been taking it out. I have it right here. And I've been studying it because I had a lot of people try to spin me about this and say, oh, this vote means that the House is more open to a debate about school choice now, school vouchers. I think that this vote does not say that after looking at it for a full week now. I didn't want to say this the day after because, look, people can make their case to me and say, hey, Livy Scott, look at the fact that it was debated in the way that it was during the budget where you had Republican leadership saying, and, and leadership wasn't saying that they were for vouchers. The the head of the Public Education Committee, Brad Buckley, did not say that. Instead, his argument against this amendment that prohibits money being spent on, on school vouchers, tax money from being spent on that, um, His the, the Buckley argument against this amendment was just let the process play out. He was saying we've got hearings coming up next week on ESA uh, legislation, on education savings accounts, before we vote to prohibit... School vouchers or ESAs, let's let those hearings play out. After he made that argument, Jeremy, this went right by some people. I, and I've got the printout of the yays, the nays, and the present not voting. Present not voting is staying neutral. That's hitting the white light on the on the desk. Brad Buckley passionately made the argument to hold off on the, on even having this vote. And after he asked people to vote no, how did he vote? He voted present not voting. Right, so he, so so even the person making that argument maybe didn't quite buy that. Right, um, it's eighty six to fifty two. In any other issue, if it was eighty six votes in one way, it's so lopsided that it's never gonna, you know, that thing's never gonna happen, or that thing is, you know, way on, well on its way. Put another way, the governor's initiative. If you just take the, these votes at face value, the governor's initiative got just about a third of the house. 52 votes, which is pathetic. Now, if you add in the present not voting to the uh, yes votes on this, you're getting up to around 100 votes again. And as was pointed out to me by some Republicans in the week since the vote, and that, by the way, everywhere I go in the halls of the Capitol this week, it's the only thing anybody wants to talk about is this this amendment, uh, th- this vote. And Republicans have said to me, hey, if you also add a bunch of the Republicans who voted uh, one way because of the argument that leadership was making, which is to just let this play out. But there are a bunch of those who are also anti-voucher. You're probably still at about 110 no votes on vouchers, something like that. The governor might have flipped maybe five people so far, and I'm being generous.
1: Well, and and look, he's not giving up, right? I told you, you know, if people, you know, the good listeners of the show, y'all remember I was in Cyprus, Texas uh, with the governor and I asked him this, like, is this having any impact by traveling around the state and pushing people? And he sure be, yes, he's hearing it. He's hearing it from mm-hmm. members. It's having an exactly. impact. And this week he was down in McAllen, then he, you know, moving on up to San Antonio, you know, making the same pitch in private school audience, call your lawmaker, get them going. But I was, you know, this is not going to shock anybody, I was thinking about Willie Nelson. Willie and Waylon have oh, a song really? called "Nowhere Road." Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's one of the best from the album that they did together. Uh, a lot of junk songs on there, but don't let Willie know I say that. That but, he did with who? With you know, Waylon Jennings.
0: Oh, with Waylon. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, so in the song, it's like I was thinking about Greg Abbott as he travels around the state, it's you know I've been down this road just searching for the end, and it don't go nowhere. I it just brings you back again leaves you lonely and cold standing on the shoulder, but you've come too far to go back home, so you're walking on a road to nowhere that never ends, right? It's like that feels like where Abbott might end up in this thing. He's put all this mileage going around the state trying to push everybody. Right. This is a year. This is the year. And where might he end up? Right where we always were, where the House saying no, the Senate passing a bill, and no way to break the, the, the tie.
0: Nothing different. Uh, Rick Perry speaking out on this. Now, of course, as you have reported uh, before, Rick uh, Perry did, uh, when he was governor, try to push a limited school voucher program. Uh, He did not uh, have success with that. But here's part of what uh, former Governor Perry told uh, Jeremy just the other day.
3: We did a lot, uh, but we just couldn't get across the line on school choice. And the reason was this. Rural legislators (laughs) – just like the general public is afraid of the word nuclear, the general public is afraid of the word vouchers. They have been led to believe, particularly in rural areas, they've been led to believe that if you put vouchers into place, it will be the demise of your public schools. Yeah. Well, that's not true.
0: It made me wonder, Jeremy. Was there ever an example of a nuclear power plant ruining a community? Did that ever happen? Maybe that's uh, maybe that's not the best example. But w- what was he getting at there? Well, and that, it's funny because he brought
1: it up himself. Like he goes, "People think about Three Mile Island. People think about you know Chernobyl. It's like you know, it, but we just got to <laughs> teach people that it's now safe." And like I'm, I think that's the future of where we're going. <laughs> and so, and I thought to myself, you know, boy, I, I you know, trying to like bring bring these together. You don't yeah. want people. You know, pushing for school choice with a mushroom cloud in their head. You know, it's like you probably right. want to kind of separate those two things. It would
0: nuke the entire countryside of Texas. But maybe, but, 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 uh, maybe look, that's was, not he, the right imagery. I, yeah, I, I, totally, I get what he's saying. I get yeah. what he's saying that look, I get what he's saying that uh, that nuclear technology has come a long way. But maybe that's not the right thing to invoke.
1: Well, and, and, and it's funny because I, I the reason I I, I talked to him because like just like you said, it's like you know, he wasn't able to get this to the finish line. But yet here he is, like saying like No, I, I, I'm totally supportive." We need to go this way and so and it's fun and I got to put you in the mood y'all it's like I, I'm talking to Rick Perry he's walking down this dirt road you know chatting with neighbors you know birds mm-hmm. are chirping in the background uh, you can hear all kinds of stuff going on and, and like hes he's talking about you know the antique show down in Round Rock uh, right. uh, R- round top uh, round top yeah yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. over in round top and like, that, an-
0: that it, by the way that antique show and the the antique scene in Roundtop is impressive
1: it is killer you should go visit
0: there. visit it, Fayette K. County, y'all.
1: Yeah, it de- definitely. It were, I, I, we should join the Chamber of Commerce in Fayette County. But so like <laughs> it was a wild interview with him. I, I, I want to say we were like 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, but but again, making the point that like, like he understands this is a long education process if you're going to get this to succeed. And th- that had me thinking about, has Abbott done that enough? You know, it's like I know he's touring the state a lot right now and kind of almost doing exactly what Kim Reynolds in Iowa. She's the governor up there who had the same problem, you know, where she like, you know, she was trying to get this across the finish line, and she succeeded. But you know, here's the difference: Iowa, you know, doesn't have you know over a thousand independent school districts. With you know, (laughs) you know, add all those school board members, you know, Mm -hmm. into the mix, add all those superintendents who are putting pressure on legislators. There are more. School districts in one state house district than there are in, in the entire state of Iowa in some places. So you, you can see there's just a different pressure point. And I think Abbott has a lot of work he needs to be doing. He almost ha- needs to be doing this touring for years. And getting not just the private school people on his side, but somehow getting public school people to start vouching for what he's doing. All these events he goes to, he's only talking to private school people who are already in the private school to call legislators to give public school kids a choice. Mm -hmm. It's a different kind of message, right? Like he – like I just – it felt like the last two years he didn't really focus on this issue very much, Mm -hmm. at least Mm -hmm. in doing rallies like this. And he probably needs to be. As like so, mm-hmm. it has me thinking that uh, despite the wisdom of Waylon and Willie, uh, that maybe he's thinking next cycle. You know, it's like you know, get this thing rolling full bore, travel the state, and keep doing it because he's got a lot of work. to Oh, do. so yes.
0: Yeah, so let me let me pull this amendment out again because you made me think of something. I'm looking at the votes. Of Republican members who voted well, yes I, on the amendment. I, 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 need yeah, to yeah. Tell,
1: I need to tell the crowd that you were literally looking at the vote list. He's not. This is just this is some, yeah, this isn't just piece, of some piece of paper. It is yeah, literally the vote list. He's not snowing anybody on this. <laughs> I think that
0: in the I think that in the annals of Texas history, this is a this is a historic vote given the given the amount of uh, pressure the governor put on especially on those rural Republican members. And so many of them still just said, no, Um, this is what was going on on the floor of the house. And I have seen this play out over the last 15 years where you would have house leadership, whether it was Joe Strauss or Dennis Bonin, now Dade Phelan, um, they would be actively trying to protect Republican members from votes that might hurt them in their primaries. And they would be concerned that groups like um, you know, the Texas Scorecard and Empowered Texans, Texas Right to Life, all of that, that those Republican members would be attacked by those groups in their primaries you know, based on certain record votes that happen in the House. On this vote, Jeremy, the Republican leadership was trying to protect Republican members from the governor. Yes. Right. They they were trying. This list is Abbott's list. So if you're so what you're saying about maybe the governor has to work this really through the next cycle, through the next primary and then the next legislative session, those Republicans who voted yes on this amendment to prohibit vouchers, they are in the governor's sites now. Right. In Iowa, the example you gave, The governor there, Kim Reynolds, she did that in primary. She went after Republicans who were not uh, supporting her voucher program, and she went after Republicans who were not sufficiently supportive of her program. You know, some who said, yeah, I'm fine with it, but they weren't cheerleaders for it. She was pissed at them. Meantime, down in San Antonio. Apparently, it was really hot inside the gym where the governor held his uh, event last night, uh, and it was a little cooler outside where those protesters were. One of the problems, Jeremy, uh, for the governor's event was that they would like to have shut the doors to drown out the protesters who were in favor of uh, you know, funding public schools fully. Uh, They were saying, you know, defend, not defund, but defend public schools. They couldn't shut the doors to the gym to drown them out because it was too hot inside the gym. In the meantime, like you said, at the Trump rally in Waco, there were all these elderly people inside this gym waiting on Abbott to speak and tell them why vouchers are a good idea. The roadshow continues. I'm not sure where he's going to go next, but there was uh, a hearing in the Texas House earlier in the week uh, that had to deal with these ESA bills. As uh, Chairman Buckley had promised, he was going to allow for Texans to offer their testimony about whether they like uh, the school voucher or ESA idea. So check this out. Representative Harold Dutton, a Democrat from Houston who supports charter schools, by the way, so he's a school choice guy. He just doesn't necessarily like vouchers. He was talking to one of the people testifying, and it was another one of these hearings that went on forever, Jeremy, an all-night hearing. They were done with the voucher hearing at 3 a.m., the day after they started the hearing. So this took a little while. Um, I think they started at 8am the day before this early and late. Hey, it's a part-time job, right? (laughs) So Dutton asked this guy with, uh, Americans for prosperity, James Mayville about, uh, what I thought was a pretty straightforward question. He said, look, if the money is supposed to follow the child, which is what you hear from the pro voucher crowd all the time. Why not support a proposal that would only give a family a voucher that was worth the amount of taxes they had paid in? Right? So I say, hey, if somebody's only paid in $700 in sales taxes or whatever it is, just give them a coupon, as you described it, a coupon. Give them a coupon for $700 to $1,000. Whatever that number is that the family paid in in taxes, that's what the voucher would be. Would this guy from Americans for Prosperity? which is pushing for vouchers. Would he support that? Suppose we just limit this to whatever taxes you pay. That's what we'll give you for a voucher.
3: Would you be for oh, that? Suppose we just limit it to the taxes you pay to what the voucher value is. Hmm. Chairman, I, I support what this legislation would, would for. You be for that. I, 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 Mr. Chairman, I'm in support of this particular so that's not, But that's not my question. My question is, if we just limit it to the amount of taxes you pay to the voucher, Mm -hmm. would you be for that? Uh, At this moment, I'm not prepared to answer that question, Mr. Chairman. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much.
0: By the way, shout out to uh, one of our listeners, John Denholm uh, in Houston, who captured that and tweeted it out. Jeremy captured that uh, that video. Um, Yeah, yeah, these these folks have their talking points, but when you ask real questions about the policy, there's not that much to say. So let me give you the other side of it. Uh, Representative Brian Harrison, who is on the public education committee, he is in favor of school vouchers, school choice. Um, He has said, I think he said that, you know, he has great public schools in his area, but not everybody is that lucky. Okay, not sure who he's talking about. He asked Monty Exter with the Association of Texas Professional Educators about the difference in consequences. You know, if there's a private school that fails versus a public school that fails.
2: What happens to private schools when they fail? Um, they close, and hopefully that's not during the middle of the year. What happens to public schools when they fail? <sighs> well, Theoretically, what should happen to public schools when they fail? is that what does happen to public schools when they fail? Do they close? A litany of things happen do, to do public they, schools. Do they, they close? They Ultimately, yes, they do.
0: Ultimately, yes, they do. He probably should have started with that. The, 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 the private school closes if it fails. The public school would eventually close if it failed. I am left with this question for Representative Harrison: What's the standard for a private school failing? The private schools don't have to follow almost. Any of the regulations and rules and curriculum requirements, any of that stuff that public schools do in Texas, um, if a private school fails, it's my assumption that the main thing that went wrong is they didn't make money. Right. If a private school fails, it's because it wasn't, you know, financially feasible to keep it open. They didn't have enough money coming in to be able to keep the thing open. If a public school fails, we know why it failed because there is so much accountability for public schools. They have to do all of this testing. They have all these benchmarks they have to meet. You've got the uh, the what they call, uh, you know, the the teeks. Well, don't get me into the weeds of that. But but it, basically, it has to do with what the kids have to learn. In a, in, a, in a public school setting. There's none of that for private schools. So what is the standard? Now, what else can happen to a public school if they're, quote, failing? It's playing out right now in the Houston School District. You have a, a few campuses that are said to be failing or not doing well enough, and the Abbott administration is taking over the entire school district, the largest independent school district in the state, and we'll see how they do. Uh, but it's not as if there are No consequences when there are problems at public schools. But the difference, of course, being a a huge difference is that the private school can choose its students. And there is no, they choose their, if you want to talk school choice, they choose their students. They can turn away a student for any reason or no reason. You know how uh, Texas is an at-will state. You can be fired for any reason or no reason. Same thing at a private school. You can be rejected as a student for any reason or no reason. Doesn't really matter. Inability to pay. Okay. Maybe a student who might be disruptive. Okay. Whatever it is, you can turn them away. A public school has to take every kid. And this is something that infuriates conservatives, even though it's the law, as determined by uh, William Wayne Justice, the federal uh, judge out in East Texas. You remember the case, Plier versus Doe, that says the undocumented kids, they have to accept them at a public school district. There's almost none, if the kid lives within the district boundaries, the district can't do anything, but they have to take the kid, right? So the performance of the school is in a lot of ways challenged by how much diversity there is in the area, how much uh, ethnic and economic diversity there is in the area. Um, and to compare the two and say, oh, hey, hey it, this is the consequence for a private school, but is that not the pro- you know consequence for a public school is a bogus argument. It's not made in good faith.
1: Well, and, and I'm glad you bring all this up. So, so it's almost as like I had planned that you were going to bring that up specifically because I spoke with you know Senator Bra- Brandon Creighton earlier this week. He's the uh, Conroe Republican who's leading the effort on school choice in vouchers in the Texas Senate. So I ta- caught up with him on a, for a one-on-one exclusive interview with him, and we were talking about just you know, this very re- issue of like private schools, like what you know will they have to change anything they do. You know, because a lot of them don't have the star test. So they're not going to be subject to the same even measurement system to determine whether or not they are failing or not. Right. Mm -hmm. And he told me, no, it's like he, you know, private schools won't have to change anything they're doing. If they don't take the star test or they don't use it, they don't have to do it, even if they're taking the school choice money. Same thing with like, you know, if if it's a, a Christian school that specifically says we're not we're only taking Christian schools, they can still do that. And they can continue to turn down students as they like, you know, they don't have to take everybody. And so, it, you know, it's clear, this is like, you know, this is baked into the system. It's like er, this complaint, there's some rationality to it. Like private schools aren't going to have any additional strings attached to them to prove that they are succeeding with these mm. students. Uh, they're, it, we're just going to have to take their word for them that little Johnny did better at the private school than he did at the public school.
0: It's, um, it's, <laughs> it's a debate that's going to go on for years it has gone on for decades in this state and as you said Jeremy we still seem to be in the exact same place no matter what's being said uh, by the governor no matter where his road show takes him we'll be covering this um probably the rest of our lives we'll see how it goes <laughs> um did you see i mean really I mean, it it does seem that there's way more money in this than ever before isn't it interesting That maybe the biggest lobby efforts of this legislative session, casinos, sports betting, vouchers, that, you know, all this money is being spent and probably none of that is going to pass. We'll see if the governor wants to burn every relationship he has in Austin by keeping lawmakers in this town through the summer uh, when lawmakers start to get, you know, the notice from their spouse that they've hired a divorce attorney, (laughs) you know, come Come September, <laughs> when it still hasn't passed, one, one thing that was pointed out to me by a veteran of the lobby this week, um, this guy who's done you know, advocacy at the Capitol for 50 years, said this might be even more problematic for the governor during a special session. Is that there's a lot of folks who think that the governor can just kind of crush his opposition during a special session. You know that in the lead up to the vote on that amendment last week, the governor's staff was in the offices of, you know, in targeting specifically rural Republicans, trying to get them to vote for this. Um, And uh, what what was being said was, hey, if you don't support the governor's initiative, all your bills are going to be vetoed, things you care about in the budget are going to be line item vetoed. That's going to happen. Basically threats and arm twisting. In a special session, if the only topic is school vouchers, they can't threaten other things. There's no, you know, there's no other leverage, right? It's not like they're trying to get things at that point. They've been screwed at that point. It's already happened. It's it's in the rearview mirror. So you're, you're creating even more animus within the Capitol. Did you see that uh, Coach Pop and Ted Cruz were battling it out about guns?
1: Oh, well, of this course. Week? How how could I miss a Houston Rockets fan flaming the coach of the San Antonio
0: Spurs? (laughs) On the floor of the U.S. Senate, uh, Ted Cruz, the junior senator from our state, said it's not right that banks are guarded by guys with guns. But there's not enough of that happening when it comes to our children in schools.
1: You know, when you go to the bank and you deposit money in the bank, there are
2: armed police officers in the bank. Why? Because we want to protect the money we save. Why on earth? Do we protect a stupid deposit
1: more than our children?
0: I'm not sure the deposit is stupid, but I get what he's saying. Uh, San Antonio Spurs coach Greg Popovich blasted Cruz for this stance. He said that um, more armed security at schools to prevent shootings, that that doesn't create the right environment for children at schools. I'll give you the, the entirety of what he said in a news conference.
3: And most of you in this room, when we were in school, we worried if Nancy would dance with us on Friday after the football game or something. That was, that was our anxiety. But they're going to cloak all this stuff, you know, the, second, the myth of the Second Amendment, the freedom. You know, it's just it's a myth. It's a joke. It's, it's just a game they play. I mean, that's freedom. Is it freedom for kids to go to school and try to socialize? and try to learn and be scared to death that they might die that day. But Ted Cruz will fix him because he's going to double the number of cops in the schools. That's what he wants to do. Well, that'll create a great environment. Is that freedom? Or is it freedom to have a congressman who can make a postcard with all his family holding rifles, including an AR-15 or whatever? Is that cool?
0: of course on his podcast the verdict uh senator cruz blasted back and said that popovich is way off base here that he shouldn't be uh, saying that the second amendment is a myth i think and i can't speak for the coach but i think what he's saying is that the second amendment is not absolute which by the way federal courts agree with that right? that, that that you can't just do anything right it's not it's not like it's not like you can buy a tank or a rocket launcher Right, is, these are these are old arguments, Jeremy. Uh, but what do you make of it?
1: Yeah, uh, well, here is the sad part. I'm going to depress every NBA fan in the state of Texas. You know, Popovich is saying this at a time where, for the first time ever, not just in my lifetime, ever, there is no Texas team in the NBA playoffs. You know, the once you know, powerful Spurs, the once powerful Rockets, the more recently powerful Dallas Mavericks, all didn't make the playoffs. So, look, we have plenty of time to talk about anything other than basketball, apparently. (laughs) And that, I think, is what you just listen to, folks.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it kind of sums up the gun debate in America. There's people who aren't listening to each other at all, right? I mean, you have Pop saying what he's saying, Cruz saying what he's saying, and we'll just all go down the road and only talk to people who agree with us. That's it, right? I mean, it's everybody talking in their own silo.
1: Yeah, there's clearly no negotiating on trying to figure out if there's something we can do. Clearly, everybody's disagreeing, and that's where we stand today.
0: Yeah, I mean, when uh, someone did try to do something and, and accomplish something on the issue, Senator John Cornyn last year uh, moving for, moving the needle on the gun policy debate in Washington in cooperation with a Democrat, what happens to him? He gets nearly booed off the stage at the next state Republican convention, and in the meantime, looked like uh, Cornyn this week was making some moves on uh, leadership position there. But it looks like uh, Senator McConnell might be. Just about ready to retire. He had a bad fall and he was back at the, he was back at the Capitol. I saw a video um, uh, earlier today. I think, I think the video was from this morning. It was interesting to see McConnell walking in uh, with a, he was wearing like a fleece vest and a ball cap uh, walking into the U.S. Capitol uh, instead of the suit that he would always be in. Yeah, I
1: need to see much better sources of him leaving yeah. than that one report. You know, I was yeah. kind of looking at that. I did not trust much of what I saw in there, so I'd I'd hold our fire on John Cornyn for Senate, you know, Majority Leader for some time to come. Here,
0: we'll see what happens. Um, here's some uh, some debate where the guns came up, and I didn't necessarily expect it. Although maybe I shouldn't uh, have been surprised at all. Did you see that the Texas Senate is moving quickly? to try to pass these bills that regulate drag shows in Texas. no, of course. Very controversial. Senator Brian Hughes, who carries all the great bills in the Senate from East Texas, uh, he and Senator Roland Gutierrez, who, of course, represents Uvalde and has been trying to focus uh, the discussion in Austin on gun regulations and what can be done to protect children. Uh, These two guys were debating the need for cracking down on drag shows. So listen to how Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick handled it when Hughes and Gutierrez started arguing about how to best protect children.
3: If it appeals to the prudent interest and meets any of those above prongs, it's captured by the bill. Oh, because this is about protecting children. Uh, what should be done in the presence of
1: children? Man, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been all about this session about protecting children, my friend, and we haven't done a whole lot of protecting the children when it comes to guns and ammunition. I've been all about it this session, my friend.
2: I gave the audience in the gallery a warning earlier. You're welcome to be here. We do not allow outbursts. If we have another outburst, I'll have to have the gallery cleared. You may listen respectfully, agree or disagree with what's being said, but no outbursts are allowed on any bill for either party in this gallery. We have decorum here, and I ask you to respect that, or I'll have to clear the gallery.
0: You could hear Senator Gutierrez there saying to Hughes right at the end, uh, it sounded like he was talking to Hughes and he said, this is bullshit. You're better than this, right? D- d- shutting down the debate about how to protect children um, when it comes to guns, but promoting the debate about protecting children when it comes to drag shows. Um, I think that Gutierrez is trying to make the point that, look, we should all be for protecting children no matter what, right? But the fact is that at the Texas Capitol, given the politics of the moment, a discussion about cracking down on guns, which is the way children got killed, right? That That's not welcome at all. And in fact, Governor Patrick went so far as to tell Goodyear that if he brought up guns again or got, quote, off-topic again when he's uh, talking about various bills that are on the floor, that Patrick's not even going to turn his microphone on for him to speak, that he's not even going to recognize him, that the senator from Uvalde, or who represents Uvalde, excuse me, he's from San Antonio, but he, his, his district includes Uvalde, the people that put it this way, the people, uh, some of the people he represents are from Uvalde. He's not allowed in the Texas Senate to bring up gun regulations. That's what Patrick told him, Jeremy.
1: Well, and and, and what's amazing is it wasn't, I want to say it's two days after that, you know, uh, Paul Betancourt, the Republican from Houston, turned to the crowd and asked for them to cheer. For the property tax legislation they're working on and mm-hmm. to go, you know, lobby the house. And it, it it provoked a loud, you know, cheer from the crowd. You can follow it all on my Twitter. It was, You know, if you go to my Twitter line, you'll see it mm-hmm. like, you know, Benton Court's got his arms up and he's calling on these people to cheer and they did. Nobody said outbursts like that uh, won't be tolerated and I'll clear the chambers. Nobody sure. said anything, but it was mm-hmm. okay. Like, literally, after he said, doesn't matter if you're Republican, or Patrick says, doesn't matter, if Republican or Democrat, we're not going to have outbursts here. Literally, a day or two later, there was an outburst provoked mm. by the, a state senator that they said nothing about. It. They just had a good laugh about it, you know, instead, because, you know, it was like, oh, it's, it's kind of like a football game. You know, it's just like, well, I don't know. It, it just felt like a massive double standard hearing yeah. Patrick come down on you know, Goodyear is, but not saying anything to Bentoncourt about, by the way, don't do that again because we don't yeah. wanna be no. having this back and forth with the galleries. Uh but well, we
0: have Well, we have decorum in the Senate. Uh, It seems like uh, Patrick is—he's establishing um, that this session he's just making up his own rules as he goes. The same thing for the casino and sports betting bills, where he said that you know you've got to have a majority of Republican senators, you know, on board with this. Uh, And if we do it with a with all Democrats and just a few Republicans, we can't have that because that would be the Democrats running the place, which is just something that he's making up. That's not in the Senate rules at all. As long as there's 21 votes they could bring it up and pass it as a constitutional amendment. Also this, have you noticed that in Patrick's news conferences uh, as of late, and by as of late, I mean maybe in the last couple of years, he'll say something like, well, it, it, we're only going to answer questions about the topic at hand right now. You can not Reporters shouldn't ask about any other topics. But just this week, two days ago, he held a press conference about mental health, expansion of mental health services in rural Texas. And when someone asked him, about the Texas house's property tax plan, he didn't tell the reporter, oh, we're not going to talk about that. Instead, he trashed the Texas house property tax plan for, I think about, and I think it was um, Natalie Haddad at uh, Cave View television in Austin. She pointed out that Patrick was spring loaded, ready to go. And he talked about that for, for about five minutes. He didn't say, oh, you can't ask me about that. So the rules are whatever Patrick makes up in the moment. All right. That's enough show. We'll see what moments unfold next week. If you're a you know a big fan of the show, you know that you are. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the button that has it download the show uh, to your phone immediately. That's the best way to do it. Uh, continue to make your donations. You've been so generous uh, to LLS in uh, Central Texas. Scottbraddock.com is where you can go for that. Scottbraddock.com. The link to donate is right there at the top. And we would love to have you as a subscriber at quorumreport.com, houstonchronicle.com.